you should, in all honesty, you, you should be quite proud of what you're presenting. This is your best clinical work in dental school that you've been working on for however long. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. Hello everyone and welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast. Today is all about students. This episode is dedicated to students because I remember all too well being a student and how nervous me and my flatmates were. We had this sick feeling to the core in our stomachs. So this one's dedicated for you guys so you can smash your dental exams. And I've got today with me Pratik Biani, who is a total whiz at like computers and stuff. Me and him made an app together called Food for Teeth once upon a time and he did really all the hard work. He's fantastic with computers and a very intelligent guy. He did very well in exams, as did I, and that's why we thought we'd come together and, and share some of the tips. So this episode is uh, jam-packed with lots of different tips to help you, you know, from discussing example OSCE questions, how to set yourself up for a good OSCE, tips we use to get through our finals, how I utilize technology, how Pratik utilized post-it notes, so you're very old school in some of the things, and um, what to do when you don't know the answer and not not and in the importance of not worrying about the small details as well as body language so we're going to discuss all these sorts of things so you can smash your dental exams some of this will be relevant to any upcoming dft interviews as well but really this episode is specifically focused uh, towards exams i actually recorded this episode months and months ago but i wanted to release it you know when the academic term started so after december so now obviously we're in october right now so i hope you enjoy it the protrusive dental pearl is also therefore dedicated to students because i imagine none of my usual dentist listeners are listening to this episode is pretty much marketed it's specifically for students so dental students if you haven't listened to my podcast for welcome it's all about it's a lot to do with occlusion but it's a lot of general dental stuff to, to help people out and that's what i love doing so uh, this episode hopefully will help you in your journey so the protrusive dental pearl for this episode once more is if you are a dental student okay and you want to do well and you want to mix with the right people i strongly recommend look into attending that's the dental tubules student congress if you know someone the year above you who went last year just ask them it is jam-packed with great speakers and it's really at the, at the pitch at the right level for students and dental tubules just has a great ethos it's usually held a week before the main dental tubules congress so I think in 2020, it will be around about end of September, mid-September 2020. So watch out for that one. I'll post it on my Instagram and Facebook when the time is right. My protrusive dental pearl for today is to join and look out for the Student Congress for Dental Tubules. It'll really set you apart and you'll learn so much. So that's my uh, main pearl. So let's dive right into the episode, me and Pratik, and I'll join you for the outro. Hope you enjoy. Pratik, tell us about yourself and I will then maybe say a few things as to why I invited you on the show tonight and why I think you're a great person to speak about, you know, exam success. So Pratik, just tell us about yourself. Yep. So um, I graduated in 2016 um, from the University of Sheffield, a couple of years junior to yourself. Um, I then went and did my FD in um, Halifax for a year. Um, and then since then, I've been doing DCT jobs. So I did DCT one in MaxFax in Sheffield. Um, and I'm currently in DCT2 job in Chesterfield and MaxFax again. Awesome. And tell us about your website. Um, so yeah, in I think it was in third year of dental school, I started a website called Dental Notebook, um, mainly because I felt I was um, gathering quite a few revision notes as I was going through dental school. And I thought it'd be useful to share these with other students. Um, so I thought I'd create a, a central resource for students to access revision notes other little hints and tips for exams, um, scenarios, OSCE tips, things like that. 
Um, and since then, it's just grown. And I have had guest posts from yourself and from other guys um, around the country contributing to it. And it's just a database of knowledge, essentially. You know, when uh, something I do on a weekly basis now, I type in IOTN on Google Images and you, you know your website comes off as number, number one, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was Teeth Geek that donated that that it website. Was, it was indeed. No, me and you have the, the the similar background that we know. We wanted to share information uh, at the time as students, and it's great that you're keeping that up. Uh, yeah. So, and that's one of the reasons I've invited you on today because I think you're a great person to to speak about that. Um, also, you know, you've been quite modest. You haven't really said the other things, but you're a uh, you know high achieving you know <laughs> honors uh, distinction as well. Uh, not not in the ultimate degree, but along the way, yeah. Yeah, along the way, you you know, you you, you gathered lots of uh, distinctions and uh, honors overall. You know, I remember you 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 were always a high achiever at Dem School. To uh, you know, I, I guess I'll have to mention it because there is some credibility as to why we're doing this. And I got a hundred percent in the clinical examinations in Sheffield, which which I think was never been done before. Yeah. And uh, got distinction in clinical exams overall. And uh, I like to think my scores are quite good. And Absolutely. <laughs> um, but it's important to mention that because you think oh, these, these, these two yeah. random dentists is talking about exams but you know we, we do mean you were very studious I suppose mm-hmm. uh, we, we like to to really understand and grasp every element and mm-hmm. I think me and you can share some really good easy tips to help elevate people's uh, exam scores and, and, and get them their degree but not only yep. their degree but get them retaining information better mm-hmm. towards their exams and, 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 and having good experience I think that's the more, more important thing because you're not just passing exams. It's it's your career is what you're doing long term. So you need to be happy. You, you understand everything. You grasp everything. Exactly. So let's dive right in, uh, Pratik. Mm-hmm. So uh, two things. Okay. There's the academic part of every mm-hmm. dental degree in, in the UK. There's, is it fair to say you can say, right, first half is academic and second Absolutely, half yeah. is clinical. We can yeah. split, you know, first half the podcast. Let's talk about how we can uh, g- get our listeners, these students to get top scores in their mm-hmm. um, academic exams. And the second mm-hmm. half, we can focus on clinical. Mm-hmm. So academic, okay, shoot. How can students emulate the type of results that, you know, uh, the honours students get? I think one of the most important things is ev- everyone's very different in how they learn. Um, and in, in first year, one of my biggest... Um, emphasis was basically put on finding the best way to learn university information because through through school through college whatever it may be you you learn very differently the exams are very different um but as soon as you come to university the way you sit exams i remember we had one mock in first year to give us a bit of an idea of what the exams would be like you're never quite sure how to go about preparing for them how to go about revising so that's one of the really important things early on identifying how you work and how best to retain information um, some things that I've done myself and I know my, some of my colleagues have done um, repetition although it's it's often frowned upon um, for me that worked quite well and it's not failed me all these years um, even things like study groups um, I remember me and a few of my colleagues we had a weekly study group that we did near exam time um, and that way you can feed off each other. Um, every, like I said, everyone has a different way of learning. So yeah, you, I found that incredibly up. useful, yeah. you know, a group of us coming together. Um, four or five, you don't want anything too big. No, uh, exactly. Meeting once a week in the library, we call exactly. it um, Geek Club. We had Geek yeah. Club uh, and uh, <laughs> it, it, it was good, you know. It was um, even like when you come to, obviously, final year and yeah. you've got the DF1 uh, interviews. So, mm. it, you know, you can use it for, for that element as well. So, yeah, study, study groups and finding out how you learn. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and having plenty of resources, I mean, you've got 
your friends, you've got tutors, you have easy access to them, but also appropriate textbooks. I know in first year, a lot of people see reading lists and like, I need this, I need that. But it's picking out, maybe asking a senior, what is what do I actually need? I remember speaking to you about certain textbooks and things and you giving me advice on what might be suitable for me to learn from. Yeah. Um, but I think the best books I bought through dental school are the MCQ and SAQ books. Yep, they were good. Um, because ultimately that is what reinforced my revision and prepared me for exams. Yep. Um, so it's definitely something that I'd, I'd advise people to get, even if you just get one between your study group or whatever it may be. Um, they're very, very important and very, very useful. The one I recommend, uh, I suppose a bit jumping the gun a bit because it is clinical, mm. but it's got lots of mm. academic reference as well. Mm-hmm because you can always get short answer questions, is the clinical problem solving in dentistry. I, I believe it was, was it Odell? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One of the best books. Um, I've just been talking to some final years and that is the first book I recommend yeah. to them. Even over my own, I would always, always recommend that because it is is a fantastic book. Um, I myself really, really struggled with Vivas um, and they were really daunting. So oh, everyone when, does. I mean, it's scary yeah, when, when I struggled, that was the book that basically prepared me for it. And mm. yeah, highly recommend it. Brilliant. And uh, what technology, I mean, did you utilize technology when you were uh, uh, learning or revising for exams? Um, I did for some things. So there are, because the, the issue with technology is it's changing so quickly. There was some app that I used to use that no longer exists. Um, there is one MCQ app that is um, very good that does still exist. And it's an American one. Um, it's a dental boards mastery app um, that you can get. And that is essentially an MCQ bank questions. Um, mm-hmm. And you can you can go through it or record your performance on the uh, kind of 10, 20 question exams, whatever you want to do. You can mark which questions you want to go back to, which topics you find difficult. Um, so I found that quite useful. Um, there were other MCQ apps at the time, and it's like I said, it's continuously changing. So new ones come, and then some will vanish. Yeah. Um, and then just websites. I remember um, there's the, for example, if you're in first year and tooth morphology is really difficult, um, there's a Leeds University website that kind of has lots of pictures you can look through um aspects of morphology for teeth um and kind of grasp it a bit better yeah um, yep. so yeah there's there, there are apps out there it's quite a niche area though i think um in terms of dentistry to find the right ones to to help you um there are general um apps things like um there, there are lots of um flashcard apps that you can use um some people you like to use those for revision so yeah it's finding again what is best suited to your to your needs Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do. You want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later. You can get all of that for less than 15 tax deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We've worked so hard on this Protrusive team and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. I think the reason why I got such high marks from about like, you know, especially third year onwards Mm. for me was down to one app. Mm. Okay. And it's a general app. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's called, uh, and, and there's many like it. My one was called SoundNote and I still use it to this day. Okay. It basically, the way it works is I'm there typing away notes, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, like, as a lecturer speaking, I'm sort of almost typing what they're saying, okay? Mm-hmm. Or, or my own version. Yep. But at the same time as me typing, 
is recording the audio. Now, this is not revolutionary, but this is a way to work smart or revise smart. And instead of yes. sometimes having to go through the entire lecture or people who record their lectures on dictaphones and listening to the whole damn thing, mm -hmm. you sometimes just want to know what the speaker said about yeah. one small bit, that which little happened bit, yeah. around the 32nd minute or something. And yeah. you, just, you just don't know that before you, yeah. you know, open up the lecture. Mm. So sometimes, you know, I'd write in things like this bit is really important listen to this for exams mm. and i come back to it when i'm revising i clicked on that and it just revealed all the answers to me. Yeah, yeah so that's a, a great way it's to nice for, for really me useful, to yeah. revise smart uh, mm. obviously you have to check what your university rules and regulations are in terms of uh, recording lectures and whatnot. That is true. Uh, so that's, you know, something uh, that needs to be checked upon. But for me, I think that's been my uh, biggest success story mm. only because it saved me hours when revising. Mm. Uh, and also I found that the, the lecturers are the same people who end up marking you in those exams. Absolutely. <laughs> and and if, if you're listening back to their voice yeah. and the key important bits, and then you're writing that or you're speaking that in your Viber, They'll give they'll you top marks because yeah, they'll, they'll think that, oh, this... exactly. they know you pay yeah. attention, but, you know, it's like playing to their ego. You're saying the phrases in the way that they said it and they're like, yes, this guy is yeah. intelligent <laughs> because everyone thinks, you know, what they, what they have to say is the best. Yeah. So that for me is, is a massive tip in terms of uh, an app. So the one I, um, yeah, like sound note, and I'll put the link at the mm. bottom uh, of this podcast. So mm -hmm. that's a good generic app as well, as well as obviously your flashcard methods are quite good, what you said. I know, I know another common one is Evernote. Oh, yeah, Evernote, um, yeah. Yeah, you can do audio, you can draw, you can type notes, whatever. So, and it's available across all devices. So that's a, that I have used that in the past, not so much recently. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is another good one. Seeing me, as me and you have been qualified a few years now, I mean, you know, mm. maybe, maybe there's some really awesome apps somewhere just missing. It may out, well but, be. <laughs> <laughs> but hey-ho, you know, no, it's, it's something to, to get people started to yeah. utilize technology. Before I go on and, and give another tip in terms of academic, what else mm. have you got in terms of getting good results in the uh, written exams? I think uh, kind of going on from what we've discussed, when it, when it was getting closer to exams, um, you mentioned it, rather than spending ages trying to go through an entire lecture, picking out the, the most important bits or the bits that you're forgetting, um, things that I found useful um, are lots of post-it notes. So I know that whilst going around my flat, if there's somewhere I'd go really often, I would have a post-it note of something I couldn't remember sat there and that would kind of hammer home the messages to me um, and that was more relevant for theory compared to the practical things because that's theory is where most of that knowledge is you know you're having to remember those really awkward facts or that long list of bullet points or whatever it may be um, so just re helping with retention um, that as well as lots of colors kind of keep you interested on those dull drab long sheets of A4 um, if you have colors and I know some people's minds work that way where they'll remember what colors were where or what pictures were where and um, so those I found really helpful in terms of remembering key facts. And I'll tell you one way maybe see if you agree with me one way not to do it and that was um, a lot of people in my year when it came to revising finals mm. went all the way back to their first year note mm. right no, and no, they no. were reading like through first year stuff, so second mm. year stuff, third year stuff. Now, fair enough, some exams, some dental schools may involve, you know, large chunks of it. But mm. to be fair, reflecting back, finals is 80, 90% fourth and fifth year it's stuff. Fourth and fifth year, yeah. It's not that you shouldn't go through it, but you should really keep it short and sweet and simple for when Ab you're absolutely. going through the earlier years. Absolutely. The, the way I looked at it was, was that, that, that first and second year, the information is the foundation for what you're doing now. So really that stuff should be within you somewhere. And I remember going down and like you, uh, going back to the notes and like you said, basically cutting everything out and only picking that odd slide or the odd thing that I thought, you know, that that's going to be useful um, to take forward and remember. But yeah, going back, I know some of my colleagues as well, 
went back and went through all the lectures and everything. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's time that you can use on something more productive. Exactly. And if you're really stressed and you feel as though you haven't given enough time and you've got a short deadline, mm. then, you know, be clever about it. Just go Absolutely. through the fourth and fifth year stuff. Yeah. And I don't recommend yeah. doing it that way. But if you're really uh, strapped with time, then I would, I, that's yeah. the least important. I mean, important uh, exactly. ultimately, like you say, 80, 90% is that fourth and fifth year. And that should technically be enough to get you through the written exams anywhere um so yeah if worst case scenario that's the that's the focus anything else particular on the how much more you got for the academic i've got another that's, couple one more thing if you that's, if you... that's it from my end <clears throat> i've got oskies and stuff okay um now i don't know what you did during your uh, written exams critique but what mm-hmm. i did actively when i was answering questions uh, in the written exams i was referencing papers Mm. Um, yeah so in my uh, when it came to finals i created a little document kind of a list of all the evidence for everything um that i could find whilst i was revising so i used that not only for writtens but even when it came to my for example patient case presentations and things i kind of tried putting that in there just for the extra marks that so-and-so said this about you know the evidence what i'm doing because ultimately again we need to show evidence-based practice um so for the extra marks for those little bonus marks if you can retain some evidence, I, I think that's a completely good way to go about. Yeah, things. so you know, I'd write you know Gibson 2011 yeah. BDJ or whatever yeah. for 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 whatever you know. So yeah. that that was a good way to do it. Mm. Now you don't need to remember every single paper and whatnot. I think just the key ones, like yeah. major systematic reviews. You know, you don't have to remember all these in vitro studies. Maybe no. just the, sometimes in the lecture slides, you'll notice that they reference you know a paper mm. uh, and you can you know each theme try and remember one paper is, mm. is more than enough and it's not mandatory at all i know lots of people got loads of good marks who didn't reference any papers but it sort of backs you up and um yeah. uh, it's, it's it's you know it's not going to lose you any marks uh, i think it's a good thing to have up your sleeve mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely agree with that right so clinicals and the main two things to talk about uh, i suppose are oskies and mm-hmm. the finals patient right yeah Please tell me what tips and advice you have to get through the clinical exams. So in terms, should we do OSCEs first? Yeah, let's do OSCEs. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of OSCEs, I remember we had, again, a mock one in first year that I had never experienced an OSCE in my life. I was terrified. Um, but I, I, I took it back to the basics of any exam. Be systematic, be logical, and try to keep a, keep a clear head in what you're doing. Um you everything that comes up on an OSCE you will have come across at some point um you will have studied it in some way so it's it's making sure that you you just think through your question you don't look at a question and immediately panic that oh I haven't revised this or um, I haven't covered this in x number of months or whatever it may be um so just make sure you keep a clear head between stations you if something's gone wrong you don't take that forward to the next station you try to forget about it a new Mm -hmm. station is completely different um Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest things that I can't emphasize enough is practicing. Um, there are some people of the mindset that you can't practice for an OSCE, um, that you can't, you know, like a communication scenario, it just comes to you naturally. But practicing these things gets you very, very far. And it comes back to what we were saying about um, doing study clubs and things like that. You can practice these things with your friends. Yep, definitely. Um, and you often pick up on things that they do that you don't necessarily do and feed off again off each other's um knowledge how you approach stations um that can only better your performance in oski type situations like an actor station for example absolutely absolutely. easily practiced yeah and a lot of people forget basic things like non-verbal communication and 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 i know that that even is relevant in clinical non-actor related stations as well in how you're communicating with your examiner 
Um, if it's just you one-on-one with the examiner, how are you articulating yourself? How are you explain? Are you explaining things clearly? Um, you know, are you um, not very confident about what you're saying, or is there some confidence behind whatever you're discussing clinically? Because that again shows what you're like as a clinician. Um, so if you've practiced things, if you've gone through things, you're more likely to be confident. You're more yeah, likely to be keep, clear with what you're doing. And if you keep umming and ahhing, exactly. uh, you know you you lose that magic about you, you lose that yeah. oomph about you um, yeah. and I think it reflects on your overall mark I think um, I remember during OSCEs there was an OSCE station where we had to just very simply explain to a patient that the patient had periodont- you know, chronic periodontal disease yeah. and do you know what the the, e, the the most obvious way that most students lost marks can, can you guess you know imagine you're doing the station yeah. which is the way in which students can lose the marks i.e. which important piece of information did these students omit Risk factors, jargon. You're using jargon or jargon for sure. That's in every yeah. station, so you got to avoid jargon. But the, the the main one is actually forgetting to mention to the patient that actually you're going to get some sensitivity afterwards, mm. and you're going to get something called recession when your gum lifts and up. And that, yeah. said, Mrs. Joan, it's better to have a long tooth than a tooth yeah. no longer. Yeah. And if you yeah. say that with a smile on your face, and you know you make it uh, make your tooth a laugh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, if you say it with confidence, and you know, you bring your personality into it. Yeah. It's, it's only going to get you lots of marks. No, no absolutely. And, and that, I think that a lot of that comes from the practicing bit of things. If you just go in there having uh, thinking that whatever you do on clinic is right, more often than not, as we're probably all guilty, often on clinic, we end up slipping here and there. Or we, we develop a way of explaining something that may not necessarily be exam correct. Yeah. Um, so that's where the practicing bit and picking up on things that you may not necessarily, uh, you shouldn't necessarily be doing in an exam. Yeah, um, it's kind of filtered out of you. And the other thing I had for OSCEs was um, for the clinical stations, or, or, or even like um, pathology stations, for example, or, or any aspect of it. I think there's only two sorts of things that will come up in an OSCE. Either these things are common, mm-hmm. or they're important. For mm-hmm. example, oral cancer will always yeah. come up. Yeah, always. always. You know, I can't imagine a, a UK dental degree. In fourth and fifth year, where oral cancer will not be one of the ten stations. Yeah, it has to be in there somewhere. Okay, whether it's communication aspect of it, whether it's the pathology, any aspect, risk factors, you name it. Yeah. So revise the important and the common ones. Now, I remember in my finals, the orthoped station was a midline supernumerary, mm. and you, you know, get presented with this photograph of maybe like an eight-year-old, and they've got one upper central incisor erupted and the other one's sort of not erupted. Mm. And then you sort of look at the radiograph and you notice, oh, there's a supernumerary. Yeah. So all, all the, the thing is, as a student, you're like completely unsure of how to manage that. Yeah. But they don't need you to be an orthodontist or a specialist pediatric dentist to be able to answer that. As long as as a GDP, you can recognize it and you can say that this affects this percentage of people and it's not so common. And what would you do? Oh, I would refer to hospital for a joint yeah. orthopediatric opinion. That's all they're asking of you. It's all about safety and and being competent at the level you're at. And I know, I mean, a similar situation to what you're explaining where you might not know what to do. Um, I've been asked quite, quite a few times when I've, when I've asked a student, oh, what would you prescribe for something? And they're like, oh, I don't, I I don't know. Um, And I just, I just say to them, like, if you don't know, don't lie in your exam and just be honest that you don't know, but say how you would kind of remedy that. So I would go and check the BNF to see what medication to prescribe in this situation. So at least it shows you're being safe, you're not guessing what to prescribe, and you're still managing the patient's problems by going and finding a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing everything isn't the end of the world, and they would be surprised if you knew everything. It's about being safe, being able to just go out as a beginner, yep. safe beginner, as they say, um, into practice and, and managing patients. 
Yep, and the very, very bottom, the very, very basic of all things that need to be uncompromisingly sufficient at is medical mm-hmm. emergencies. Yeah. So that's the only real time I can remember anyone sort of failing really, or something really yeah. obvious, like um, uh, you know, a patient with very obvious dentist dermatitis, mm-hmm. and you just don't you know pick up, but despite being given hint. Yeah, and you don't pick up on it. So yeah. the, you know, unless it's, you know, they wouldn't fail anyone in the clinical exams unless you a make a medical emergencies related mistake that can mm. endanger a patient, or b miss a very obvious, even like a common clinical condition that you know every dentist like it's like missing gingivitis, dentist dermatitis, missing an ulcer, which is mm. you know clearly an ulcer. Because again, again, that just shows you're unsafe, doesn't it? Like you're not fit to. So it's important, you know, instead of just revising pemphigus, pemphigoid the whole time, just look over the basic things and Mm -hmm. make sure, you you know, you can imagine yourself as a general dental practitioner in practice and seeing the most common pathologies. Mm -hmm. Common Uh, things are common, so, you know. Common things are common, exactly. That's what you should expect to. Anything else got for Oscars before we move on to finals patient? Um, No, that's everything I've got. So finals patient uh, in Sheffield, you know, we'd see this finals patient over... How many ever months or years? For me, mm. I saw one for over two and a half years. Mm. I had some friends who saw their patients just four weeks yeah. and complete the course treatment because, you know, that was their only patient that they could sort of meet the criteria and they yeah. did really well as well. The way it works is you get five minutes uh, to present your patient while there's uh, two examiners looking in the mouth and looking through the notes. And to be fair, they weren't even listening that, <laughs> that uh, actively. That's, that's... <laughs> That's what do you I remember? Do you remember that? that? They weren't even like yeah, they, they were they focusing were. more on the patient and yeah. having a look at the treatment and the photographs, right? Yeah. Um, and then they take you to the side and they sort of grill you for like five minutes or five ten minutes on uh, various aspects. Mm. And I imagine there's a, a component like that in, in most dental schools. So, um, what tips do you have for uh, the students about these, you know, final patient or clinical type scenarios? Yeah, I think, to be honest, this this is relevant to any level dental student. So the earlier you kind of identify these patients and start working them up as a potential finals patient, the better it is. So as soon as you see a patient, you think they're going to need a, a range of treatment, that they may be suitable for your finals exam. Um, it's quite useful to start taking photographs at the start, study models, things like that, even if it's in second and third year. Um, but the way I saw this exam was, it was probably, apart from a finals poster, probably the exam where you had the most control as the as the student. Um, you essentially dictated what the exam would be like in the sense that this was your patient, your treatments. You knew, the, or you should know the patient inside out. You know their notes completely back to front. Um, so it was the exam where you could kind of direct the examiners and you could prepare in all aspects possible. Um, so the biggest things for for this particular exam, in my opinion, were, like I said, knowing your patient inside out and what treatments you've done. Um, if you've, um, and to be honest, everyone will have made some mistakes or will have looked back and thought maybe that treatment wasn't the best. Um, if you identify things like that, thinking of, A, what could you have done better and reflecting on it? Because reflection is really... They all love really reflection. They love it. And there's no such thing. You can't, you can't actually do anything wrong. Honestly, no. you can't do anything wrong as long as you say, oh, you know what? If I could go back in time, uh, I, 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 I wish I'd uh, done the root planing with the root surface department first before I'd done that filling because now you can yeah. see some ugly recession. I wish I didn't yeah. do it that way. You know, you're not going to fail at all. No. To be honest, I think the simpler cases that tick the boxes are the better cases because you've got less to trip up on. I know I've heard situations of where there's been final pa- finals patients with really complex dental treatment have had multiple crowns, fancy bridges, this, that, and the other. But when it actually comes to answering questions about the clinical work that's been done, students haven't been able to 
to explain what they've done and why they've done it. Spot on. Um, so having you know a, a patient where I don't know they've been anxious, they've been referred for some perio treatment. You've done some simple and maybe some complex um, cons and maybe an endo on them or given them a denture. That is a far simpler case to explain to show an improvement in their general oral health, which is the bottom line of this this exam. Um, those are easier to discuss with the examiners. And as a student, when you're going to be really anxious um, in this exam, I think that's that's that'll make your life so much easier, being able to have that confidence in what you've done. Absolutely. So that's a really good tip there. Pick something not too complicated. Mm-hmm. So the rule is uh, every patient, every time, take photographs yeah. from second year, third year. Uh, you, there's nothing you could lose, maybe a bit of time, but you probably will lost that anyway. You were probably waiting mm. for a tutor. So yeah. take photos because uh, I think one of the reasons why I, I, I did so well on my uh, finals patient is I, my photos are f- phenomenal. Mm. Not in terms of because I didn't take them as a photographer that comes in Sheffield and <laughs> takes them for you. Um it's the before and after because yeah. before he literally didn't know what a toothbrush looked like. Okay. Mm. And then just the oral hygiene improvement, I think just automatically was a pass. I think just by looking mm. at that. So if you've got some profound difference in the before and afters, you know, so, you know, I, I think if you see a patient with really bad oral hygiene, that's a gold mine. You know, you know, get, get, you know, get some photographs on that. Work on oral hygiene uh, and just do some basic perio restoration, a crown, and literally that's all you need. Yeah, I absolutely, absolutely agree with that. I, and like we've both said, identifying these people early on, the earlier the better, because the longer you have to you know, figure out a good treatment plan for them, get things in order. Um, like you, my, my finals patient was someone I'd seen um, at the start of third year. And I think it was my first week of third year. So that had given me a good two and a half years worth of time to, to work on their um, oral health. And I think, to be honest, that gave me more to talk about in my exam and to reflect on than someone who had got a patient four weeks before. Um, so yeah, identifying them early is, is a big bonus, I think. Yeah, and um, if, if my flatmates uh, are listening to this episode, <laughs> then I, I'll, I'll tell you something funny. I was so worried about something so stupid. It's not even funny. Yeah. I, basically, his pocket charting, okay, revealed yeah. that uh, he had 30% of his pockets, right, yeah. that were um, four millimeters or more. <clears throat> so what classification of chronic periodontitis is he? Is it the borderline? <laughs> so it's 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 it's, 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 it's localized. It's generalized. Okay, yeah, I, was, it's I was pulling my hair out. Like, oh my god, is it localized? It's generalized. Guess what? No one cares. No yeah. one asked. Okay, I spent like a whole day worrying about this, googling every single thing I could. Right, asking five different perio tutors, and all their answers like doesn't really matter as long as you you know manage them properly. It's, it's like when you start looking at your radiographs too long, and you're like. Have I missed something? <laughs> yeah, very much so. So don't overcomplicate it, okay? They really don't need you to 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 to, to have it to that nth degree. Uh, so definitely, you know, keep it simple. And you're, you know, some people obviously some dental schools do uh, case submissions on paper. That's fine. Some dental schools do actual like you know Viva type presentations. Mm. If you're doing a Viva type presentation then you should be so well rehearsed in yeah. that, that it, it literally should be a slam dunk. Okay, yeah. you should, and if you're not a good speaker, get out there. You know, there's plenty of um, online video mm. courses on how to speak confidently, you know, TED Talks, that sort of stuff. Mm. Just become a good speaker. Uh, and, mm. and that will really elevate your the message that you're trying to send, your confidence that you use. Uh, and, and that's a great tip to just uh, polish up your presentation skills. Because mm. again, that, that gives you one less thing to worry about in your exam and 
and it'll make you more comfortable and more confident in what you're saying mm, and, um, and, 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 and smiling as well if yeah. you can walk into exam smile at the tutors like good mm. morning for me it was good morning prof martin prof rod uh, mm. how are you today and they were they looked at me like oh they, they were taking it back so okay mm. i've never seen such a smiley student on their exam day and uh, mm. I, th- I think that really rubbed off and they saw that okay this this guy's really confident so uh, you know it, it, it's scary mm. it was very scary but I think it puts you in a good good place in terms of yeah. uh, mentally. And I mean, I think you should, in all honesty, you should, you should be quite proud of what you're presenting. This is your best clinical work in dental school that you've been working on for however long. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there should be a degree of pride. You know, this is, what, this is a patient that I'm hoping to get me through and make me a dentist. Yep, um, yep. So I think that in your mind, mentally, if that motivates you, that, that should be something that you, you kind of look towards. Mm-hmm. And one last tip I have for the finals patient is uh, when you're giving the story or when you're maybe writing the background, mm. you have to, you ha- they, they really love the, they really love it when you bring the social history into it. Mm. They'd be mm. like, look, ideally, you know, we'd like to do it this way, but we have to take it slow with these nervous patients. We have to acclimatize. Yeah. We have to take into in consideration that uh, this patient travels from a long way. So that's why we did longer treatments and, mm. you know, whatever y- you can say to mm. show that you really listen to your patient mm. and you cater you sort of the treatment is very very personalized and customized yeah. to that patient they they really really respect and value that yeah i mean i, I had a similar situation my finals patient um, was quite an anxious lady and um she also smoked quite heavily and i kind I, sh- I showed the examiners a little graph i'd drawn of her smoking levels and how they'd fluctuated and i basically said look she kept increasing her smoking levels every time she was stressed in life and then we brought it back down and then she gets stressed and it go up and they quite liked that yeah, i'd made that association with mm-hmm. her life and like you know it's not just the teeth i'm looking at it's her overall as a patient yeah exactly if you just say that look me, me and mr smith you know we've had a chat but mm. there's a lot going on at home and as, as well as, you know, it's important to give smoking cessation, we have to treat the patient as a whole. And they love that sort of stuff, you know, when you say it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Anything to wrap it up to, to uh, find final tips for students sitting their finals or dental exams? Uh, sounds stupid, but don't get too stressed. <laughs> Impossible. Um, in, in hindsight, um, I think we all get a bit stressed for finals. Uh, I was freaking it's, out, man. It's, it's all that work you've done for so many years, um, but try to... Uh, to relax yourself as much as possible. Take time out for yourself away from revision. Um, if you work 20, well, not 24 hours, I hope not, um, but however <laughs> many hours a day, you'll you'll burn yourself into the ground quite early on. Um, so it's important, yes, work hard um, and take advantage of study groups, work with, with colleagues, you know, help each other. It often becomes quite dog-eat-dog in final year, I found previously. Um, but you help each other. You all want each other to qualify. Um, so, yeah, just help each other, take it nice and easy, um, and use all the resources out there. There's so many people out there willing to help, um, so many resources available to get you through finals. Um, so just take advantage of them. Yeah, I, I wish I'd... Um... I wish I didn't really, I mean, it's funny, but I wish I didn't work so hard <laughs> towards that final uh, stretch of it because, um, you know, it ended up being not as bad as I thought it would yeah. be. Uh, and I think, we're, you know, you can be your own harsh critic, yes. uh, especially after the exams. And, you know, I, I thought I'd failed some of those because, mm. you know, you're, you know, being so harsh on yourself. But mm. be kind to yourself. Uh, mm. Treat yourself. Take it easy. If You know, I gave up gym for like three months and I, I really <laughs> like to stay fit. So th- that wasn't yeah. great. And uh, it's not great for your mental health either. So, yeah. but it's difficult, you know, when you're going through the exams, everything that you've done in the last four or five years is building to that moment. So the stress levels are just monumental. 
And I, I think a, a lot of that also comes from you hear what other people are doing, but you need to, it's a, a really silly phrase, but you know, you do you. Yeah. Revise how you find best. You know, if you need to take half an hour to go to the gym, do that. Just because someone else isn't doesn't mean you shouldn't. Yep. Uh, because it's ultimately it's your exam, it's your degree, and you need to get through it at the end. Um, so stick to the ways that you know best. Stick to the ways that have got you through four years of dental school, mm-hmm. um, and they won't they won't serve you wrong. It's just another exam. It really is just yeah, another dental school exam. The it stakes. Is. The only thing is, it's mental. You know, psycho, the stakes are a bit higher. Yeah. Okay, and that's why you work it up too much. But if you did well in your third and fourth year, for example, mm. um, there's you know you shouldn't look at it any differently. No. And if you, you know, if you keep a cool mind about it and, and, and go with a level head, you'll be absolutely fine. So yeah. good luck to any student who's listening to this. Uh, I hope me and Pratik have uh, helped you in any way at all to, to get more marks and, and, and get through dental school successfully. Pratik, what was your website so they can check you out on there? Dentalnotebook.com. Got lots of useful resources for finals. Brilliant. No, it's, it's, it's a great website and uh, well done for keeping it out, man. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Not a problem. Happy to do it again. If Let me know want. if you need anything in terms of, uh, you know, advice about work. Or yeah, that. yeah. Once I start narrowing down a bit more, I think I will I will come pestering you. No, anytime, mate. All right. Cheers, mate. Take care, bro. Take care. See you. So that's it. Uh, thank you so much for sticking right to the end. I really appreciate it. If you like this podcast, please, you know, write me a review on wherever you listen to it, on iTunes, Apple, Google, wherever you listen to it. Write me a review. Let me know what you thought. I'd like to read the comments, obviously. And uh, keep in touch. I've got some great episodes um, coming up, mostly around occlusion and stuff. That's something I'm really mad about. But um, if anyone has any recommendations, I'm doing one soon about a question I get asked commonly by young dentists, which is, which course should I do? So I've got someone speaking about that as well. So I hope you enjoyed and thank you so much for for listening all the way to the end. Have an awesome week.